cultivated meat has played a significant part in the life of Ira Van Elen as the daughter of cultivated meat godfather Willem Van Elen, he who was largely responsible for the origins of the science, especially in regard to food production. Ira is a co-founder and CEO of Respect Farms and Kind Earth Tech, as, long, as well as um, a few other organisations, companies. Uh, and she was a special guest and one of the first to taste Good Meat's newly approved cultivated chicken as cooked up by Chef Jose Andres earlier this year in the USA. She is my guest today on Future of Foods. You can also find this episode on YouTube uh, where you are encouraged to like and subscribe. I'm Alex Crisp and welcome to Future of Foods Interviews. Uh, okay, Ira, thank you for joining me on the uh, uh, Future of Foods podcast. Uh, you uh, are the founder of Respect Farms and a few other things as well, and also Tooth Camp and Kind Earth Tech. Um, so I wanted to start by asking you uh, a kind of broad question. Could you kind of tell us what your overall vision is? Why are you why are you founding these organizations or companies? Um, I'm founding companies or organizations because otherwise people uh, don't understand at all what you're doing. So if you're not a foundation, you're not an entity. If you're not if you're not a company, you're not supposed to talk about something. But if you call it a broad question, I will give you a really broad answer. And that is that I hope that we can get people to be the best humanity possible. And for that, there are better ways of doing what we do today and to tackle those problems or to highlight those ideas or to put right ideas into people's mind. Um, Okay, I do what I do, and the companies are all uh, are all involved in 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 uh, uh, in achieving this objective or this vision. In a in a sense, it is yes, but of course, I think people would like you to focus on stuff. So, with Respect Farms, we focus on uh, decentralized production of cultivated meat. So that is a better way of me making meat and a respectful way to still involve the current uh, uh, producers of food. Mm -hmm. um, you said tooth camp. Um, that is that is actually on a, a oral preventive health care yeah. because um, most people don't know what the real problem with oral health care is and that usually is in our teenage years. So that's one of my sort of real hobbies something I really like to improve because we're the only animal on earth that die, doesn't die when there's something wrong with our teeth because we have dentists. But if we wouldn't have that, our teeth probably wouldn't last much longer than 50 years. And these days we get up to, up to 100. So that's an evolutionary problem we have. Um, and then, of course, there is Sell Your Agriculture Netherlands. That is, I'm a board member there. We are the proud... Uh, receivers of a 60 million grant that is uh, supposed to work on cellular agriculture in the Netherlands, highlight uh, what is possible to research, education, and, and scale-up facilities. 
And um, the other thing I do is Kinders Tech, and that is just uh, a project I started with a very, very dear friend of mine, uh, the amazing Olivia Fox Caban. And we wanted to highlight people uh, in a different way, put them on stage. And um, we have the most horrible business uh, uh, situation because with us, we ask you to be on stage because of your content and not because of what is in your wallet. So that is only volunteers. It's only uh, it's it's never a, 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 yeah pay to be on stage. Okay. And we are so very proud to make a lot of content there. Right. Okay. So in um, in respect to uh, respect farms, can you uh, and so that is a farm I saw on your website. It says um, it says we believe farmers can create value and earn money with cellular agriculture technology. That's why we create the world's first farm that produces uh, meat out of cells and not from animals. So respect farms is an actual farm. Um, is that the idea? Yeah. Where we want to build a farm, so we haven't built it yet, uh, but we have farmers, we have collaboration, we have partners in this. And right now we are creating the blueprint and we're validating the, the business model for farmers. But we do believe uh, with what we know and what we also are currently assessing that it should be possible for farmers uh, to be part of an up and coming industry that is called cellular agriculture. And then to be precise, because cellular agriculture is quite broad, is also precision fermentation. So everything that you can eat made from cells directly. Um, and this is very much based on a cultivated meat. Okay. So um, how soon do you think the farm will be up and running? I, I don't know at this point, uh, but our timeline is that we would be uh, sort of popping some champagne and having some ribbon, ribbons uh, cut in about two to two and a half years. Um, so at this stage, it's only working on blueprints, 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 and that will be a sort of a slash research farm and proof of concept farm. After that, um, let's say three years later, uh, we want to be able to build five extra farms where we sort of even prove our concept better and that it also makes farmers money because it's all about making sure that people can pay their mortgage, get their kids through, through school and have no problems with the bank. Mm. Um, and from there, we hope that um, I'm in Amsterdam now and and there's a plane flying over. I hope you don't mind the noise. I can't hear it. It's okay. Okay, that's good. Um, so I'm in the Netherlands and the Netherlands is famous for, yeah, sadly enough, exporting huge amount of animal agriculture all over the world. And one of our famous current products, for instance, is a milking robot. And I would like to have the Dutch portfolio to have not only a milking robot, but also a cultivated meat farm. Mm. Um now, of course, Holland uh, is one of the pioneers, really, of uh, of cultivated meat, aren't they? They, it was in Holland you created the first cultivated meat burger. Yes. Um, but do you think there's any? Um, do you think there's good? Do you think there's a problem with uh, uh, the restrictions of being in the EU that might slow down 
the development of, of the farm? Not so much the farm. Um, um, I think being in the EU in itself has a lot of benefits, but also problems. Um, for this specifically, yes. On the other hand, I am quite sure that at this moment there are uh, some very high-end cultivated meat companies, one of them or two of them in the Netherlands, um, that are able to create a painstakingly awful dossier that can be sent in to EFSA in, uh, in Italy and that it will be declared safe. And the benefit of Europe being extremely hard on novel foods is that when this is proved or considered safe, uh, then the rest of the world will take easier to this product than right now. Right now it's approved in the US, but that is a very different dossier than the European one would be. It is approved in Singapore, but somehow a lot of people think Singapore is very, very far away. So not sure whether everyone takes this as seriously as they should. Um, but when Europe will assess this dossier as safe and, and, and ready to go to market, it will have been way too slow on the brink of creating problems for Europe they shouldn't create for themselves. But the law and the dossier in itself is not wrong. It's just a little bit that I would wish Europe and, and also the, the Bureau working on this dossier would put more focus on it and uh, would make it easier for companies to go through it because it's it's a lot of money, it's a lot of effort, and it's a lot of work. And, and you have to do that for a product that's not even on the market yet. Uh, but luckily enough, it's now on the market in the U.S. Um, I was present at the first dinner that was held in the U.S. Were you? Uh, that, yes. How, that sounds exciting. How was it? So you've tasted it. I mean, clearly you you must have done to have the business. So, yeah. Uh, so what? how was that? Um, it was one day. Uh, it was around my father's 100th birthday. And what a lot of people probably don't know is that my father started working on cultivated meat back in 1980 already. And the company uh, doing that first dinner, which, which is good meat, even holds his patents, the first patents he owns in the 90s. Uh -huh. And the hamburger you talked about was made by people that he put in a team around 2000. So I've been around talking about this, thinking about this, deliberating about this for years and years. And I've had cultivated meat since 2017 already. And therefore, this dinner around my father's 100th birthday in one of the biggest markets in the world now opening up to cultivated meat was in itself amazing and, and special. But for me, as also a sort of techie, um, from the first cultivated meat I had to this cultivated meat portion, the sturdiness, the taste, the texture of it, um, I was amazed how much better they had made it in only four to five years. So, yes, altogether, this was a really, really special uh, uh, dinner. And, um, yeah, I was happy that I was invited. I was proud that I could represent my family. I brought my son. 
and bringing your children, I think, will always be sort of extra special. So seeing my son having this and, and, and being at the table with me made it a proper dinner and not just a sort of tasting in a lab. Um, yeah, super special. And the quality and the taste, what they did, uh, really amazing. Wow. So you were, you were, you were pretty pleasantly surprised by it then. Would you, would you say it kind of tastes the same as the real thing? Or, and, and it, it, you know, you know, you know, is it kind of hard to, hard to distinguish it from, from the real thing? Um, the hard part of your question is, uh, it is the real thing. Yes, I mean, I get that. I get that. You know what I mean. So, so, so sometimes when I'm cheeky, I would ask, why wouldn't it taste like yeah. the real I mean, I'm thing? I'm on your side with that one. Of course, it's the real thing, but we need, you know, we need to kind of distinguish it somehow, yeah. right? Okay, so um, in a way, it's not the real thing. It's a, ch it's a chicken product and it's a hybrid product. So 30% of what of that skewer uh, is plant-based material and but I can't taste it. And I'm, I'm pretty nifty at it because I've tasted so many things. So I have had cultivated meat that still has some hint of soy in it that I can taste it. Okay. And that is probably because I usually, if I eat uh, meat, it's usually plant-based meats and I don't like many of them. I, I always taste the sweetness. I always taste the soy. It's, uh, it's very different to difficult to cook because it only dries. And it becomes bitter if you wait a second too long. Um, and my most amazing experience about this was not actually in Washington, but it was half a year ago or yeah, half a year ago when I was in Singapore. And there they gave me Indonesian uh, slightly charred chicken skewer. Uh, it's called a satay. It was a satay ayam. Mm -hmm. And... My father was born in Indonesia and I was brought up on little charred satays. And for me, that tasting, so both the umami, the, the smell and the fact that you could char it and that it would give you exactly what you expect me to do when you put it on the barbecue, mm. uh, that it gives you the caramelization, a mouse feel that you're familiar with. And, and that was for me, one of the best uh, uh, chicken satays I ever had because the people from Good Meat, they are very good at making very delicious food. So, uh, yeah, I, um, yeah, that was maybe also a sort of moment that, as you maybe can imagine, I've been talking about this and I've been sort of trying to explain people that cultivated meat is different from plant-based meat, not better or worse but different because it's very hard to make, uh, let's say, a pea protein do the same thing as uh, a chicken protein. And But I had never really experienced it. I knew it from a, a sort of tech side, but I didn't know whether it would be as I imagined it. And it is, it is one of the most special moments in, in your life when something you've imagined is exactly as you imagined it. It's usually a disappointment, but this time it didn't disappoint. And I was bawling, to be quite honest. I was really overwhelmed with emotions when that yeah. happened. It must have been quite an experience. You know, there must have been some very interesting people around that table. 
Um, in Washington, it was only four of us. Uh, someone who advises uh, um, the president uh, in Washington, someone who is the president of GFI, the Good Food Institute, myself and my son. That was only four of us. Okay. Okay. Uh, in Singapore, the president of the I, GFI is that Frederick? Some something is that right? What's his name? I have no. That's not uh, not Bruce Friedrich. Not Bruce, um, Bruce. No, not Bruce Friedrich. Um, no, that would would also have been an amazing uh, uh, person at the table. Right. No, it was just the four of us. It was a very special. It was a very special moment, um, and and it wasn't a big thing. There wasn't a lot of yeah. There were cameras, and there was someone interviewing me, but it wasn't huge. Uh, there was not a red carpet like that. Okay. Okay. So, um, so it was very different. So you said you you tasted it the first time in 2017. So five years later, um, you were quite emotional about it because it had kind of come on so far, and you and you it had kind of reached. I suppose it's your father's legacy, isn't it? In a way, so it's it would it would have uh, clearly been. Yeah, it it, it 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 was very special that something my father sort of promised. Uh, talked about way too often to my taste, to be quite honest. Um, and I've not always been in cultivated meat myself. I was my father's daughter. I listened to him. It's a little bit like, yeah, children from a farmer who don't want to do what dad does and do yeah. something else and then end up at the farm in the end anyway. So it, that's a little bit me. So I was never supposed to do this. So and was I... I what ended was the up name of him. your father? What was your father's name? My father's name is Willem van Eelen. Willem van Eelen. And he passed away in 2015, two years after the hamburger, at 92. Okay. And I was hauled back, really sort of pushed back and hauled back into his work uh, in 2017 by the people from Good Meat, or at that time it was called Hampton Creek. So they pulled you into the uh, industry then, did they, sort of? Yeah, I wasn't aware that I knew so much about it. I wasn't aware that I'd been thinking about it so much. Uh, I wasn't aware that anything I would do would make a difference. Um, and um, I mean, I'm imagining I'm imagining a bit of a sort of mad scientist and, and his uh, and his daughter helper. Yeah. You know, even the name is is kind of is kind of a little bit sort of mad sciencey, isn't it? Like kind of Victor von Frankens, you know, Frankenstein <laughs> or something. <laughs> well, it wasn't that bad. Um, no, but they do, you know, they do associate cultivated meat with, uh, you know, like, you know, like the sort of Franken chicken and and uh, and things like this. So there's, you know, there is some association, I suppose, isn't there, with the kind of mad scientist and. But yeah, well, my father wasn't a mad scientist at all. He was actually uh, more uh, from the f philosophical uh, uh, trade. He knew a lot about science. And he, I think if we are applaud, to applaud him for anything, it was actually inspiring to uh, have scientists look outside of their box. Because you must imagine in 1980, all of the sustainability talk we do today wasn't there at all. Um, mm. We had other problems at that time. We had a bank uh, <laughs> crisis and banned the bomb and stuff like that. But sustainability, uh, that was not on our plates at all. 
And um, mind you, you're a scientist. You're a high-end guy uh, working on the next best, best thing in a medical solution for a disease. And here comes this very charming gentleman who tries to convince you to use that technique to make hamburgers or steak or a chicken skewer. Mm. That that's weird. Uh, yeah. And and animal welfare that has never really been uh, top of mind for people. So that you could make the same thing without having to slaughter an animal. Yeah, that's nice. But yeah, what's will it make me money? Or will it give me a Nobel Prize? That's either or the thing that people really find important. Right. I mean, uh, I mean, it seems quite obvious now, doesn't it? If you can, if uh, if if cells can grow, then you can grow meat. It's and it seems obviously this has been in um, well known in the world of science for a long time. I mean, we had in the UK in the UK we had Dolly the sheep, which was the the cloned sheep. Yeah, I can't, I can't remember what year that was, but that was around kind of 2010 or maybe earlier, in fact, than that. I, I think even earlier. Yeah. yeah, but that's cloning. And there's, of course, um, yeah, that, that that is always. It's like you just said with the Franken and the mad scientist and, and what people don't understand and, and, and what people don't see as a good thing today. I, I was very surprised that um, I, I just came back from an amazing conference in Portugal. It was the first one that the Cellular Agriculture Society organized there. And there, for the first time, some people dare to bring GMO back on the table as a, as a point of discussion. Mm. Um, whereas in Europe, anything you would want to do without GMO uh, or with GMO, it's a no-go. But on the other hand, discarding something that could potentially be more sustainable maybe so so it's sort of like what danger are you trying to prevent um a lot of places in the world would do very good with crops that would be better benefited for their climate maybe gmo could help but right now in in Europe, that is an absolute no go and a, and a very diff difficult topic. Yes, I spoke to um, I spoke to somebody, a guest of mine in Australia, um, and we were talking about GMO because I was asking him about the um, uh, about the cells taken from the chicken uh, feather, which was done by good meat, I think, wasn't it? Um, and uh, and I asked him whether. Um, uh cultivated meat can be grown um without the use of killing animals without using gmo you know with you know without kind of gemet without genetically modifying and and he said probably not so the and so the feather that the cells from the feather had to be genetically modified in order to sort of grow the meat for the chicken that's that's what i've been led to understand so it's yeah. kind of it's going to be part of the business, isn't it? Well, there you you use the right word. Um, not necessarily. There are a couple of companies right now who will manage right now to make food for cells and use cells themselves, where there's absolutely no uh, genetically modification needed and happening. But 
GMO will bring certain advantages to the table that will make the business aspect of cultivated meat much easier because it's all about scale. It's about huge amounts. And when you can uh, harness a cell to eat something that you can buy cheap, have in large quantities and make that cell grow in high density, then suddenly that becomes very, very interesting. Mm. Um, the verdict is absolutely not out. And if it's up to me, we will have both. If it's up to me, we will have commodity products and high-end products. Uh, if it's up to me, we educate people and, and already right now children in school to have knowledge about this so that they can decide what they eat and not be pushed into eating what they don't want to eat or pushed into something that uh, they think is one thing, but it actually is another thing. Mm. So educating, transparency, uh, making sure that people understand the benefits and not fall into the traps of the, ooh, this is dangerous. It's not dangerous at all. It's super safe. Uh, a lot of the pathogens that you would expect to be able to have in meat you won't be able to ever have in cultivated meat. And mind you, the people making fuss about that usually live somewhere in the States or in, in Europe where we are used to have the safest meat ever because our slaughterhouses, uh, the things that are in place. But the rest of the world, it's very hard to eat safe meat. Mm. So if we could provide that to a larger uh, uh, amount of people, I think that it itself is interesting. Yeah. Well, it is it is interesting. Um, it's I mean, I was going to ask you uh, two questions, which I can't really ask you now. I was going to ask you, first of all, how did you get uh, involved in cultivated meat? I know why. And I was also going to ask you, ask you, can you tell me who's been the main influence in your in, in your career, which which clearly I can't ask either. So yeah. I've got a I've got another question. I saw that you um you you said on LinkedIn today you said uh in you you said working at a treasure chest like GFI must be great. Yeah. And I wondered what did you mean by treasure chest? Um this is an organization that provides uh uh work for a large group of amazing people. And they do research and they uh, go after questions and they enhance the amount of information that we have mm. around topics, whether it's precision fermentation, plant-based food or cultivated meat. And yes, they have an agenda. But at the same time, if you want to know something, if you want to find something, a lot of it can be found on their uh, website and, and at their symposiums that they do. So I think they they they've earned and 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 I I think we should give them the respect that they 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 deserve mm. for doing a lot of hard work and finding out so much stuff and and they also provided in a way that um the general public could read this um whereas all of this information you can find at Tufts at uh, at universities all over the world but then you would really have to dive deep into it. So I also see them as an in-between between interested public and 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 high-end tech people that are impossible to follow if you're not in their yeah. same school. So what do you think is their agenda then? 
I think the agenda is to make, uh, uh, I think for them, it's important to take out animals out of the, the value chain and have us all eat as much plant-based cultivated or precision fermented food as possible. And mm. I think for, for them, that is an agenda. Okay. But I mean, obviously then, obviously, you know, the first, the first two guests I had on my podcast were people from the Good Food Institute. There was, uh, it was, it was, it was, it was two policy guys, Elliot Schwartz, um, who's quite high up now and, and um, a, yep. a guy in Japan. And um, I asked them the question about um, uh, the future of farming and, and they, and they both gave me almost the exact same answer. So it, it's obviously, quite well rehearsed perhaps but they were sort of saying that they were working closely with farmers to to uh to um you know and and that and that they had no ambitions to to uh, impact on farming whatsoever that they wanted to work with farmers and and they were quite clear on they were quite clear on that i th i think it is it's not for me to decide because I'm not from GFI. I just I, I I come across them and I think they do an amazing job in in mm. in a lot of fields. But it is also true that when I started talking about one of the best kept secrets in cultivated meat, for instance, is that the original idea in 2008 was a research that showed how how it would be a good idea to do cultivated meat on a farm and and feed those cells with uh, algae. Mm. Um, in 2008, it was impossible, as, at least in the Netherlands, to find any funding for it. Any funding, any focus, any interest in this only came after the hamburger. That was mm. a sort of massive marketing uh, 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 tipping point, uh, focus, uh, a milestone. And after that, everyone wanted to be part of this industry. But before that, it was very hard to get it going. Mm. Um, I am very happy that a lot of different people are trying to look at our food system and, and see how we can make it better, uh, more just, more equal, mm -hmm. provide to more people and take the middleman, the animal, for different reasons, whether it's sustainability, whether it's climate change, or whether you're uh, an animal uh, uh, lover, for all of those reasons, take the animal out. What I've seen is that most of the initiatives were very much into seeing how farmers could turn into plant-based farmers and not so much animal farmers. Uh, what is different about respect farms is that we even take it one step further, not only plant-based, but also cultivated meat. Mm. And when I say that in the States, especially when I started saying that in the States, and that was also in 2017, so which farmers are you working with? Are there any farmers? And, and I was really looked at as if, oh, wow, this crazy guy also has a crazy daughter. Whereas I come from, from here, this little flat land where we have uh, intensive farming uh, and uh, of the highest end. And the farmers here, for them to be able to take over the farms of their parents, they have to have a college degree. They have to work with high-end materials in, uh, and tech. And otherwise, they can't be part of the Dutch animal agriculture scene. Yeah, and they're not poor either. So um, for for me, that's a starting point. And mm. right now, Respect Farms is 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 creating some interest in this sometimes really paradigm shift 
of farmers being able to do cultivated meat. Mm. Because if you now, if you Google cultivated meat, usually you will see a hamburger, but you will also see a Petri dish. You will see blue gloves. You will see that it was extremely expensive and you see white coats, sort of lab stuff. It's not yeah. old. A lot of people call it lab meat, which is ridiculous because no production is ever done in a lab. That's a research place and not a production place. Of course. But I, I can very well imagine that no farmer today thinks that anything around cultivated meat is meant for them. Mm. Where the actual truth is that my father is a very famous picture of the guy and he's taking off his head to a cow in the field. And it was made when I drove him to uh, a farmer that had heavily attacked my father on the ridiculousness of his idea. And why on earth would my father think that a farmer would ever do cultivated meat and blah, 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 blah. blah. Yeah. And and that's where he went. And then when my father explained his idea, then the farmer was like, hmm, so... You think in future I will be able to make money out of that? And my father says, yeah, if we, if we design it right and we design it for you and not for just factories, uh, yes. And then they became friends, of course. Okay, so that's the idea then. So really on, on Respect Farms, you, you will have lots of kind of metal cows rather than one big metal cow. Put <laughs> it. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and perhaps, well, perhaps you can kind of paint your, your perhaps you can paint your bioreactors in blue and white, in blue, you know, in black and white patches, like a, you know, like a Frisian. Like a Frisian, yeah. 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 Maybe a good idea for one of my next drawings that I would like to make. Yeah. Um, whether it's going to be stainless steel or whether it's going to be black uh, plastic rocking bags or hollow fiber bioreactors, okay. the word is not out on that one. Um, but if you want to imagine something, um, you've probably seen farmers do cheese. You've probably seen farmers do beer. It will not look like that, but in a way the concept fits. Mm. It is going to be producing food, high-end protein on a farm, and going back to the question, um, probably, especially the, the products we're working on right now and the tech we're working on right now or assessing, uh, it may very well be that they, the, the, the meat that they will produce will be from cells they take from their own animals. Mm. And it is not up to me or anyone to decide for farmers whether they will or will not keep animals. But what I hope is that they will have less animals and the animals they have will have the best possible life and that the real money and the real incentive to grow will come from indeed a bioreactor instead of an animal that oh, you have to put in a smaller case or I whatever and your theory now so i mean it, it, is this is this what's explained in the um, in your video yes yes okay so i will go and watch it and and um I'll put a link after this to the video. So this, so it's and and so the idea is to is to have a, a herd of cows, but kind of take the cells from the cows and then grow the meat from the cells rather than rather than kind of killing the cow and and kind of eating the cow. Is is that that's the idea? Yeah. So the farm in the farm in the film that you will see them, uh, that farmer 
wants to have his cows rummage in a nature reserve um, and he, for their whole life mm. and take at the appropriate age um, stem cells from them and create the best possible meat like he does today and, and serve that to high-end restaurants yeah. or to uh, local grow, uh, butcher you shops. You that meat in a couple of months or something, couldn't you, to a, a proper... No, even less. There are... Months. There are some companies that now can do it in eight days. That's the pork product, isn't it? With them, yeah, from meatable, meatable, yeah. yeah. Mm. And 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 mind you, so somehow the same amount of meat you can get from a pig, you can get, let's say, in between three to six weeks, depending on what species it is, uh, uh, what technique you use. Hmm. How interesting. Um. Yeah, uh, I was, I mean, I wanted to ask you, you know, the reason I asked about the, the sort of GFI thing and the treasure chest is because I've been trying to find out from GFI where they get their funding from. And, uh, you know, because... If you do, please tell me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've asked a few people and they, uh, you know, and the and the leads have gone quiet generally. So... I mean, I'm I'm suspecting that there's one major benefactor, or just a you know, like a couple of major benefactors. It, it's not through small donations, clearly, because they have offices all over the world, don't they? And 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 they employ many many people on really high salaries, and so it's um, not high salaries. Well, no. reasonable salaries, you know, pretty. Yeah, good they, they 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 can afford to pay their people, but if you want to make money, don't go work for for GFI. I don't think no. uh, uh, that's no. that's a reason to go there. And to be quite honest, I judge them on what they produce. Mm -hmm. I think they do an amazing job at uh, engaging everywhere. Yeah. There's a, a good initiative. I've got and nothing against them. I'm just and I am extremely curious, like you, where that <laughs> money comes from. And I wish yeah. I could my get my hands on it, because yeah. finding good patient uh, money that wants to to have an impact, because these days everyone, really everyone, calls themselves an impact investor. Yeah, and then still they they work with four to five years timelines where on on tech or initiatives or innovations that take 10 to 15 years at least mm. so then you're not an impact investor then you're just someone who wants to have a good story and i i'm hope i hope i'm not being unkind to people because of course those investors work with people their their pension money and i know that needs to be paid back but i wish big banks and governments, and that's why I'm proud, for instance, that my country put in this 60 million to work on. Mm -hmm. And it's the biggest grant in this field ever given by a government. And the amount of energy around such a big grant and a lot of interest that it pulls in and a lot of collaboration that it pulls in, and it's all open source. All of what we do will not be behind uh, closed doors. And I think that's important uh, because Something as important as these new innovative ways of making food. Um, I, I hope, I wish, I pray that all the universities are as smart as the people in the companies. Mm. Um, uh, it wouldn't be a good thing if all the knowledge would only be behind IP doors. Yeah. And that is coming from me and 
and it, the daughter of a guy that wrote the first very defensive patents ever. So I know why patents are written. I know how they are supposed to make money, etc. But mm -hmm. I don't think uh, we can count. Uh, we should also have all the universities in the world involved in this and having a say in this so that when the general public doesn't know uh, or doesn't trust it or doesn't think it's safe, they have the intelligence of their universities to fall back on to tell them, hey, you can trust this, you can eat this. Mm. Mm. And it was a funny thing. I, I watched a panel and someone says, yes, the, the, the general public will eat this or the consumer will take to this once governments um, say it's okay and safe. And just a half an hour before, I had learned that the general public and the consumer doesn't trust governments anymore. But when it is don't. about food... Of course they don't. It's quite naive, isn't it? I mean, I've written a lot about this. Uh, you know, almost everybody I speak to, you know, I kind of hang I hang around with ordinary people. And, and nearly all of them have kind of screwed their face up when I've mentioned cultivated meat. You know, even when I say to them, and I have, you know... Um, quite sort of, you know, sort of alternative thinkers, intelligent people. And, you know, and, and I'll say to them, um, if I give you two burgers, one of, and, and and both burgers are identical, one of them, you know, in taste and in, in look and in, in texture and, and everything, both of them are identical. But one of them has been made from a cultivated lab-grown cells. And, and the other one has been taken from a slaughtered animal. Which one would you prefer? And they say, almost all of them, that they would prefer the slaughtered meat because they think that the other one isn't natural. And so it's and so there's a big, you know, there's a big uh, you know, there's a big education, a big sort of narrative change that that is that is required. And I think it needs to come before kind of cultivated meat is on the shelf. It needs to be kind of done gradually before it's actually available. It needs to be made available to people, you know. The thing is, it is available, uh, not not in in large quantities, but those I mean, large, large quantities will follow. So I mean, the idea means, behind it, you know, the reason for it, the purpose for it, you know, the you know, you know, for well, if yeah. if I'm I, if I'm a bit cheeky, I would say maybe you need other friends, uh, <laughs> because you said one thing that was important in your question, and that is when you say to people. Do you want this hamburger or that hamburger? It's the same. This is made from meat and this is made from cultivated meat. I understand their reaction. But if you emphasis on people and go to something that most people really tuck away very far from their consciousness, this is from a slaughtered animal yeah. and this is from an animal that is still alive. Mm. Yeah. In the no, wording of a question, the difference will be but right now, we have made it and we've educated children and we've educated ourselves into thinking it is not at all problematic to eat slaughtered animals. Mm. I mean, I agree with you. You know, you are, you know, I'm 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 100 percent behind it. But it's uh, but I mean, I I have spoken to a lot of people about this. You know, obviously, when I'm talking to people in the industry, they're all on our side. But when you talk to people outside of the industry, they, you know, they sound, you, you know, the idea of growing their meat in a factory 
makes them wince, you know. So it's uh But if it now if if that factory is not a factory but it is actually farmer making that meat. Yeah. Well, I think that's an interesting idea, you see. I think I I like I like that idea. It makes I think it's it would be an easier one to sell to people. Well, it's not that I wanted to sell it to people. To be quite honest, the whole reason I made that film, and it's only eight minutes film, and it is a vision on what it looks like, and it explains why it is a good idea to do it there um, for many more reasons than that it looks romantic. It's also a very good-looking film, but the whole reason I made it, it took me so many hours of talking about it, and, and, and with just words, it's mm. very, very hard to create a paradigm shift. Whereas if you show people, uh, yeah, a film or pictures or good graphics, people start to understand it. And I wonder if I can include your film in the podcast somehow. I, I wish, I, I hope you can. I would need to get, I would need to, yes, I, I'll have to look at that to look at how, how I do that. I'll have a look at it and see how we can um, link them together. Um, and anyway, I think I need to let you go now because you said you have another uh, meeting in, in five minutes. So it's been yes. really good talking to you. And I've uh, once again learned loads. <laughs> so um, well, thank you for talking to me. And uh, I hope we talk again at some point when there's more to discuss. I, well, I feel uh, like there's a lot more to talk about. Very, very happy to talk to you again. Uh, very happy that you invited me to come on your podcast. I wish you a lot of luck with that. And uh, you were free to shoot any question towards me. And you've been actually really, really very kind, as you promised you would be. Yeah. So thank you so much. And um, yeah, I hope uh, you get people to watch that film because I think it is a paradigm shift in thinking about something that people see as weird, crazy, uh, maybe unnatural and uh, I think it's the new natural. I wonder if you can share um, the, the uh, photograph with me of your father on the farm with his hat and I can use that on the um, on the artwork perhaps. It is on our website, Is it's okay. on the Respect Farms website. Uh, right. It's not mine but so far the person that made that picture is, is very uh, willing to share it because I think he also saw it as a very special moment in time. Okay. All right. Well, have a good day. Enjoy your next meeting and lovely talking to you. Same here. Thank you. And good luck with everything. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.